I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me, while I was musing the fire burn. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. Think about that statement for a minute. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions, and make me to know the reproach of the foolish. Title of the message tonight, Take Heed to Our Ways. We take heed to our ways. Taken there from verse 1. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to be assembled together. Thank you for the testimonies of your people and of your goodness to us in the land of the living. Father, we are grateful for your blessings. Thank you for your commandments. We know they're not grievous. We know that you have given them for our good and for thy glory. Lord, we pray tonight as we look into the, again, the word of God that we would take heed to our ways, that we strive to walk in a way that's pleasing to thee, knowing that one day we will stand before you and give an account. And so I pray that you would just encourage us and challenge us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, verse 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways. Take heed to my ways. And it gives it, and I'm going to look at three things tonight that we need to take heed to. Three ways, three of our ways that we ought to take heed to. Knowing that one day we are going to give an account. First of all, we need to take heed about our tongue. About our tongue. You know, Bible talks quite a bit about the, the tongue. Uh, and he says, I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. James, of course, James chapter 3 is probably the longest passage in the Bible that speaks about the tongue. In James 3, <clears throat> in verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man fend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, 
which are made after the similitude, or after the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth cursing or blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain build, both yield salt water and fresh. Uh, who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Uh, but if you have bitter envying in your strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. For this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Uh, so, you know, the tongue is a, a world, it can be a world of iniquity. You know, we could really, what we could really say is the tongue has the greatest power of all the members of our body. It can have more influence than anything else. You know, Paul said in Corinthians that he was a saver of life to some and a saver of death to others. Now, through what medium was he a saver of life or a saver of death? It was through his tongue, the things that he said. The things that he said. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to reap the fruits of what we say. What we say. So we need to be careful what we say. We need to think about what we say. You know, Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. You run your mouth constantly, you're going to reap the consequences of it. Yeah. You might you know, you have somebody say, well, I just gave him a piece of my mind. Well, you probably did. You probably made a fool of yourself. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Uh, Proverbs 29.11, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Proverbs 15.2, The tongue of the wise use the knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. And so, you know, there's many, many verses about the tongue. And we learn, and we learn to control, and that's what James 3 is all about. You know, you, you can have a ship, a huge ship, and they control the ship with a very small helm. Very small. You know, we could control a horse simply with a bridle. You know, we could control our bodies with our tongues. Or it can control us. So it, it, it boasteth great things. Uh, Proverbs, you know, it, and it can be used for good or evil. Um uh, Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness, and the word perverseness there means vicious or flattery or slippery. The idea is slippery. He's a little, you know, he's a little shady. And he's, you know. You know, if he, if he, you know, when he talks, he's, 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 he's got an got a ulterior motive in mind. That's the idea here of perverseness. Insincere, we might say. Uh, perverseness 
therein is a breach. And the word breach means it's, a, it's crushing or it's like a fracture in the wall. It's, it's breaking. So a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Uh, Proverbs 15.7 says, The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of foolish doeth not so. Uh, and in, in verse 23, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, a word spoken in due season. How good it is. How good it is. Verse 26, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination of the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Verse 28, a lot of these in chapter 15 of Proverbs. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out foolishness. You know, in, in Ecclesiastes 3.7 says this, A time to rend, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. You know, the psalmist said here, he said, I will keep my mouth with the bridle while the wicked is before me. We need to, we need to really guard what we say when the wicked are before us. They're going to watch. They're going to listen to what we say. Uh, words are powerful tools, and we need to use our words aright. Um, somebody has said, if your foot slips, you may recover your balance. But if your tongue slips, you cannot recall your words. A loose tongue often gets in a tight place. Robert Burton said, quote, A blow with a word strikes deeper than a blow with a sword. You know, wars start over words. And millions of people may be killed as a result of it. Uh, Somebody said, quote, a man who says what he thinks may be courageous, but friendless. Friendless. Uh, we need to learn to bridle our tongue, to know what to say and when to say it. You know, words can have great influence, again, for good or evil. Uh, Proverbs 12.25 says, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. You know, you can say the right word to a person that's greatly discouraged and bring encouragement and hope uh, to them. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Uh, Job said, how forcible are right words. Forcible. Words have force. Somebody said, be careful the words you say. Keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat. So we need to, we need to uh, bridle our tongue. To bridle our tongue. Uh, to learn to control it. Uh, secondly, I want you to notice the thing that we need to take heed to or consider is the brevity of life. Notice in verses 4 and 5 it says, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. 
Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. We need to take heed. And I'm going to divide this up into two parts here. First of all, the uncertainty of life. The uncertainty of life. You know, when you're young, like me, I was talking to Mike last night, and he said, uh, he asked about, uh, we had older people in our church. And I said, yeah, we have two older ladies. And then I said, I guess the next oldest person is me. Uh, so we don't have very many old people, you know, older people. But, you know, especially young people, they think, i got all my life. But what is all your life? Do you have guarantees of a long life? No, we don't. Life is uncertain. And we need to think about the fact that life is uncertain. Young people need to think about the fact that life is uncertain. You have no guarantee that you're going you're gonna to be able to uh, grow, grow to adulthood and beyond. You don't have no guarantee of that. You know, we always think we're going to. You know, when I was your age, I thought, you know, well, when I get, you know, 25 and when I get married and when I do this, when I, well, I had no assurance of that. Life is uncertain. Proverbs 27 Seven one says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. Luke twenty or twelve twenty says, and speaking to the uh, the rich fool, God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know, it was a little bit, a little bit awakening, the fact that a man younger than me had a massive heart attack. Well, I'm healthier. He is. Really? Is that assurance that I won't have one? No, it's not. Healthy people die. Yeah, my my best friend in school died at 21 in a car accident. And get this, he was on his way to talk to another person about the Lord when it happened. He was doing God's will when it happened. So we don't know. We are, we are not certain that we are going to live another day. So we need to consider the fact that life is uncertain. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. No guarantee of tomorrow. So there's the uncertainty of life. And, and, and you notice what he says here about it. He says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as in hand breadth. And mine age is as nothing before me, before thee. Uh, you know, thinking about measuring your life, you know, there's, there's several measurements in the Bible. We have, uh, you know, a cubit. A cubit is the length of your forearm, basically. Um, of course, you know, we, we have measurements, you know, if we... We're gonna. Uh, we we say a, a step is about a yard long, but here here he refers to life as a handbreadth. That's this width. It's just little. It's just small. 
James tells us that our life is like a vapor. Now, we've had some cold enough weather you could go outside and go, <laughs> and you'd have seen your breath. You saw your vapor, and like that, it's gone. That's what life is. So there's that uncertainty of life. There's also the vanity of life. Notice verse 6. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. So there's the vanity of life. Uh, the world lives life in vain. It's empty. It's worthless. He uses the word here, surely they are disquieted in vain. The word disquieted means an internal emotion, a disquietness of mind arising from the cares of this life. So there's this constant internal emotion because of, the, because of their worried or, 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 or fretting over the things that pertain to life, which the Lord says... You know, in Jeremiah chapter 4, and verse 19, Jeremiah 4, 19, he says, my bowels, my bowels, that has to do with our innards and our emotions. I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet the alarm of war, the cares of this life. And he was disquieted because of the cares of this life. In Luke 21, 34, the Lord warns us. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Being disquieted or internally in turmoil over the cares of this life so that that day come upon you unaware. It's talking about the coming of the Lord. In Luke 8, 14, he talks about the, the, in the parable of the, of the uh, sower. Uh, he, he says this, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they heard go forth and are choked with the cares. Place. Cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So, so there, are, there are many who are so overcome with the problems and the cares of this life, that they never take heed to the gospel. You see, we need to put our trust in the Lord. Proverbs one thirty three says, Blessed, or but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You know, Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in, he, in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So don't fret. Don't be disquieted or overcome with the cares of this life. You know, a good example of, of one who was overcome with the cares of this life was Gehazi. You know, Gehazi was overcome with the fact that 
He, he lived. He lived hand to mouth. The Lord provided as they needed it. And he wanted a little bit of that loot that Naaman brought and offered as payment for his healing. Why do you want that? Then he wouldn't have to worry about being taken care of. You see, he was hung up on the cares of this life. Philippians tells us, be careful of nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious about the cares of this life. Uh, or overcome with the vanities of this life. And then I want you to notice the third thing. So we see here the, the uh, uh, bridling of the tongue, the brevity of life, and then we have the blessed hope or our expectation. Notice verses 7 and 8. He says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. So we have this... We have the we call it the blessed hope. You know, our expectations, our expectation should be in the Lord. It's the Lord we ought to look to to provide for our needs. It's the Lord we ought to be looking to or living for and expecting uh, His provision from. You know, First Peter chapter one verses three to five. First Peter, you know, several places the Bible refers to, of course, to the blessed hope. First Peter. 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again the lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we have this uh, inheritance, it's incorruptible, and that's reserved in heaven. In the meantime, we are kept by the power of God. What's it mean to be kept by the power of God? In the present. It means God's power would only keep us saved, but also provides for us in that salvation. God does provide for us. He's promised to. In Titus Chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, speaks of this also. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So the grace of God that brought us salvation also teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, seriously, uh, righteously, and godly in this present world. If God says that his grace that brought salvation 
teaches us how to live in this world, then it also goes without saying he's going to provide for us to live in this world. He's going to provide for us to live in this world. You know, as, you know, as we obey his commandments, he does provide for us. But, also says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Not only is our expectation of God to provide for us, but it's going to be a time of inspection. There's going to be a time of inspection. You know, the blessed hope. Yeah, the Lord's coming. That's wonderful, but it's also going to be a time of inspection. And so you need to consider your life now. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the time expected. You need to consider your life now. Where are you going? What are you doing with the life that God has given you? You see, the time to think about that is now. By the way, as we've heard tonight, there's great blessing in thinking about that now. It changes your life for the good. And will change your life for all eternity. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. See, the time... To think about what is our life is now. Or to think about eternity is now. Um, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. and Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Your psalm is saying, hey, go ahead and live under the sun. Live your life as you please while you're young. But just remember one thing. You're going to have to answer to God for that. God's going to bring it into judgment. Therefore, verse 10, remove sorrow from thy heart. Put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. You know, Paul wrote Timothy, he says, flee also youthful lusts. You know, the world has this idea, when you're young, you just need to live it up. You know, of course, I was raised Mennonite and lived among the Amish. I have Amish relatives to this day. And their idea is that you kind of live life until you get married and then you join the church and then you straighten out. They, and not, not saying that they're endorsing that you just run wild and do all kinds of wickedness, but some of them do. But they, they basically their, their philosophy is they allow, they, they kind of allow their young people to go their own way 
until it's time to get married and join the church. That brings a lot of remorse to your life to live like that. And what the, what the, the uh, Solomon's saying here is us, just remember, young person, if you do that, you've got to give an account for that to God. Being young is not an excuse to live in rebellion against God. You're not going to get away with it. So, he's, so that's why he says, remove sorrow from thy heart. It's going to bring you sorrow. If you live for vanity and youthful lust, it's going to bring sorrow into your life. So put away evil while you're young. Put it away. For childhood or youth, and that's what he's talking about here, a wayward life while you're young. You know, it isn't, it isn't just the new, new thing that you go sow your wild oats and then, you know, you get straight night after you get married. That's, that's not a new philosophy. Evidently, that was kind of the philosophy of a lot of people back then. And then he says in chapter 12, verse 1, remember now. So he's, what he's saying is, young person, remember right now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. So you don't have those days of sorrow and remorse. Nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Yeah, do you look back? You know, there are things that I look back on my life and I thought and I think. You know, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I was loud. Young person, if you have parents that don't allow you, you ought to thank the Lord for that. Or that taught you not to. So, we need to consider your life now. No matter what age you are. You know, whatever God commands in his word, he gives it for our good and our protection. You know, we, we talk about Bible standards. What are Bible standards for? Well, it's so that we can look different from the rest of the world. No, it's not. That's not the reason for a biblical standard. It does show a reverence for God. And it is to glorify God but they also protect us from evil. They're like fences. Remember the message that uh, Brother Danford had about loving fences? Standards are fences. They are fences. They keep us from evil. They keep us from evil. And so we need to consider now, we need to consider every day where am I going? What am I doing? You know, even, even as, as saved people, we need to stop every once in a while and consider, okay, where am I headed? What am I doing with my life to glorify God? Because whatever we do, we're going to give an answer to the Lord for it. So we need to take heed. Or we need to pay attention or take notice. Or we might say, Take inventory of our ways. 
and particularly as we think about the things we say, uh, you know, what our life is, and as we think about standing before the Lord one day to give an account. For, you know, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in this body, whether it be good or bad. And, and the word bad there really has the idea of worthless. Stand before the Lord empty-handed. You know, it's possible. So, my God help us to take heed to our ways, to consider our ways, um, how they, how they are, um, are they pleasing to the Lord? Are they glorifying? Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge it gives to us. And Lord, I pray you help us as your people, your Lighthouse Baptist Church, just to truly consider our ways, to take heed to our ways. Help us to, to truly understand that the instruction you give us is for our good and for thy glory. So help us, Father, to receive the instruction. Help us to be uh, willing servants, obedient uh, servants of your commandments, knowing that they are for our benefit. So pray that you just help, help especially our young people, uh, to understand these truths, that they'll grow up and love you and serve you, that their days may be long and prosperous, and they might have a good reward for their labors. We pray in Jesus' name.